When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is opening day. I appreciate everyone checking out the podcast. If you are listening past opening day, some of this information will still apply for the weekend. We talked about team by team, their schedules for hitters, talk about streamers, watch lists, waiver wire for week one, all the above. So I appreciate you listening. I do want to say I apologize for the the audio. My microphone was not connected, so the stream was a little echoey, not as easy or crisp as this would be. So thank you for listening anyway if you do. And going forward, I'll be more diligent to make sure we don't have that issue again. So again, episode 192, Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast is live. It is a YouTube stream, so if you want to check out the YouTube, it's youtube.com slash at GTE Fantasy, where you can watch the video. Again, apologies for the audio. But before we get started, a word from our sponsor, Prediction Strike. Do you wish you could have had stock in guys like Aaron Judge or Paul Goldschmidt? Well, now Prediction Strike makes that a real possibility. Prediction Strike is the only performance-based sports stock market where you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes as if they were stocks. It's like Robinhood and DraftKings had a baby. Sandy Alcantara is up 149% over the last year, and investors are making a killing. Prediction Strike lets fans create portfolios of their favorite athletes so they can make money and get even closer to the game. Don't just draft your favorite players, start investing in them. Simply download Prediction Strike's new and easy to use app from the App Store or sign up at predictionstrike.com to create an account. Use code GTE, then deposit funds to buy, sell, and hold shares of your favorite players, just like you would real stocks. The value of players will change based upon game performance and supply and demand, and you can trade your shares of players at any time, as long as the player isn't currently in a game. Sign up with promo code GTE to receive a free athlete share with your first deposit of $20 or more. It's opening day. We are here. All of our hard work, we are about to find out if it pays off, but it's honestly just begun because now we get six months of baseball. The fantasy baseball grind is happening. We have lineups rolling out soon enough, but until they do, I'm full on opening day vibes here. That's what this is going on here, but we're it's a celebration. It's a party. We're going to do it right. However, we're going to talk about some streamers for the week, for the day, um, some waiver wire, which kind of goes hand in hand with streamers, to be honest, because the way I look at streamers, especially hitting on the hitting side of things, most of these guys are available in your league. And I play in deeper formats, so all these names are going to be more like what I would call watch list warriors, so to speak. 
because you can kind of add them to your watch list and see how they do for your shallower formats. For those hopping in on YouTube, I appreciate it. For those listening to the replay on podcast, it's uh, youtube.com at slash at GTE Fantasy. You can uh, drop your questions, and I will get to them, especially start sit stuff, uh, wave wire, et cetera. So today we're talking wave wire. We're talking all that stuff. And the way I do this usually, like when I go to st- when I start streaming, I do this. I go to Fangraphs and I look at their uh, their tra- their what is this the probables grid. What it does is it gives me the starting pitchers, probable starting pitchers about a week out, and then um I start looking at what teams have matchups. I look at weekly matchups, and then I start look figuring out like for instance this week you have the White Sox, the, the Guardians, the, the Astros, Miami, Mets. Arizona, Colorado, Dodgers, and Padres playing four games, especially in the short, if you play a shorter week, uh, Thursday through Sunday, they have four games compared to everybody else having three. So right there, you that's where you start. You're, you're already, if you can find a way to utilize that edge, that's a begin. that's a way to start. And then you look for names there. So for instance, if you're in a shallower league, um, Elvis Andrews, I know they are, they are facing at least one, so one lefty. But it's a tougher, you know, it's a tougher matchup. So although they have four games there, it's a tougher matchup. It's still a bit riskier to start him just given. I know Andrews showed success last year late with Chicago, but that's just a name to think about. Um, you have them playing Seattle. Seattle has righty-lefty, righty-lefty. So two and two. So for Cleveland, this makes you think the other way. Do you sit? Do you try to – do you just play um, – oh, man. Oh, man. Um, first baseman. Josh Naylor, one of my favorite guys, one of my most attractive first basemen this year. Do you sit him for – like, do you just start him this week, these four games, and just see how it works? Or do you think maybe – because they did platoon at times last year against lefties. Will Naylor platoon one of those two games? Will he come in late in the game to bat against a righty? There's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts. And so it's like don't overthink it with a Josh Naylor type. I would be starting him. I am starting him without much thought. But that's where I might, that's where you go. That's where I go with when I start thinking about these things. I look at matchups. And I look at the short week, and I'm trying to get an advantage here. For Houston, we have no idea how they're going to do it. Yes, they have four righties on the on the on the uh, to be facing this week. I don't know. We're still. This is more wait and see with Houston. Obviously, Hensley's a name everyone likes, but I think Dubon's going to be starting in second base. So, and we'll get an answer on that shortly. But it, they're again, and they're facing all righties, so maybe there won't be so much platoon mess. But it's going to be overall just a mess uh, when it comes to Seattle. A guy like, uh, depending on if J.B. Crawford, Crawford's available, if not, then you have Sam Haggerty, who could be interesting in a four-game week. He has some speed upside, a little bit pop, and playing time if Crawford isn't ready to play. So, and that's a, that's a deep cut, obviously. I'm trying to think for like a shallow league, Colton Wong should play plenty, back towards the top of the lineup. And against Cleveland, four righties, Wong being a lefty, and a guy who's been batting at the top of the lineup all spring, Colton Wong becomes a great streaming option and someone you could pick up if need be in a shallower format, especially if you want speed and batting average, that's kind of your guy. And some runs because he's going to be batting at the top of the order. Uh, with Miami, the Mets, just a tough matchup. I mean, if you're like Scherzer, Peterson, people might be sleeping on a little bit. He's a great streaming option for pitchers. I'm not, I don't do much of the pitcher streamer stuff, but Peterson fits that mold very well, especially against a Miami lineup that isn't expected to be overly strong. Uh, Kodai Senga, Verlander, Marlins hitters, not only is there a question in terms of playing time, you get one lefty in here, but uh, it's a matter of really tough matchups. I wouldn't be looking to stream Miami hitters this week at all. So again, that's what we're going through. We're just looking at this is how I go about my process, and this is this is where we're starting. And then the Mets, the other way around, they're facing lefty righty, lefty righty. So it's a mess. Uh, Vogelbach isn't a great starter either as fam because I think that those two are going to platoon at DH. So both of them are going to be limited in their playing time this week. But other than that. I mean, I think Escobar is going to play every day at their base. He's going to have a long leash. And two lefties does bode well for him. So I think Escobar could be an interesting streamer, but not a guy I'd go out adding in shallower formats. 
Brett Beatty is a, is a stash here. If you want to talk about, if we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, and kind of, I think waiver wire is going to weave its way in and out of these conversations. I think Brett Beatty is obviously a stash candidate. I think you should be making a point to stash him if you can. Uh, he'll he will be twelve team relevant even once he is up. That power is difference making or potentially difference making. I should say, considering how power can be in third base, we all know is a uh, shallower position, but it gets like it's shallow at the top and then it gets kind of like whatever deepish in the middle, like just kind of similar skill sets. I think Beatty can slot into that middle tier. Uh, let's see other four teams. So you have the the, the Diamondbacks. Jeez, the Diamondbacks facing the Dodgers. That's what happened. Diamondbacks facing the Dodgers, and you're just looking at these matchups for the week. Four of them, um, let's see, lefty-righty, lefty-righty again. So uh, we might see a little bit more Longoria than we anticipate with the two lefties, even today. Maybe we get a third game with Longoria, and they're just slipping there. But uh, for the most part, maybe we see Kyle Lewis. This week, we're, we're going to have to watch Alec Thomas and uh, McCarthy today. I think one of those two could sit day one. It wouldn't be a surprise. I think Carroll's going to play mostly every day until unless he proves he can't lefties, but I don't see him sitting. So I really do think McCarthy and Thomas will be the guys who get stuck sitting against lefties, tougher lefties at that. So we will see how that is handled today. And if lineups, I mean, we aren't going to get a lineup for that game until later, but if lineups roll up, roll out, I will be talking about some of them. We have one lineup so far with the Twins, and that's it, which also which has, which actually plays into this. So now that we've uh, now that we've covered this, oh, you know, we still have Colorado and San Diego, and then the oh yeah, so the Dodgers. Let's talk about the Dodgers because they're getting one, two, three out of four righties. So the Dodgers, three out of four righties. That should be a James Outman week. I think Outman's going to be playing strong side platoon. Trace Thompson's going to be weak side. I know roster resource doesn't show that, but that's my take on that's my opinion and take on the situation. I think we're going to see James Outman becomes a very intriguing waiver wire claim as well for power because the dude can mash. The thing about Outman is there's a little swing and miss to his game, but he had over 30 home runs last year in the minors, and the power is undeniable. The ISOs were over two, like well north of 200, and he just every level he hit he hit for power. That wasn't the question. So if you're looking for power outfield, he could be a little bit of a bump a boost to your lineup, but it is no guarantee considering that uh they have Hayward and other options. I just like Outman. I don't think they kept him up with two options along with the other outfielders to sit him on the bench, not playing regularly. Burst righties at least to start the season. And then you have uh, we talked about this Arizona. Oh, I am curious to see if um what's his face plays every day and leads off uh. Rojas, Josh Rojas, he's he was leading off towards the end of spring. We've seen him lead off with this team before. Talked about it a little bit uh, last episode two days ago. So Rojas is a guy we're kind of just watching to see how he falls into this lineup. And Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I think Gurriel is going to end up batting third in this lineup and be a really solid contributor that's kind of just set him and forget him type. Very boring, very just a high floor. A guy that we kind of overlook. Gurriel becomes – he's fringe 12 team because he doesn't really have a, a, a over-the-top skill set in terms of like a flashy skill set. But batting average, RBIs, if he's batting third in the lineup, some of those stats that people kind of overlook, I think Guerrero can slide in and help with. But uh, other than that, sorry, water break. Um, Other than that, that's going to – the Diamondbacks are just, just – I mean, they're fun, but there's just a lot of quirks. Like, again, we're watching McCarthy's lineup spot, all that good stuff. Uh, the Dodgers against the uh, – sorry, the Rockies against the, the Padres. Um, I'm curious to see how Montero gets utilized. Montero should start day one against a lefty. And then they don't have the hardest schedule. So the Rockies, although they are not home either. So, you know, the Rockies on the road usually struggle, but they've been all spring has been on the road. They don't have to go home and adjust and get to see home pitching first. So maybe they come out the gates a little bit hotter than expected. This is speculation. I can't prove that. So this is where I'm at with it, however. But uh, at the end of the day, the Rockies do have an interesting matchup. So they have four games. The Padres pitching isn't, you know, Snell's great. But Martinez, hit or miss. Waka can be hit or miss. Lugo, kind of TBD. We'll see how that goes. So if you're looking at, like, I think, Elhiris Montero, 
becomes an interesting streamer this week and somebody you're watching in 12s, 15s, he's rostered, but 12s, he's a guy you're on your watch list. You're not adding him unless he gets that usage. Other than that, on the on the on the, on the Dodgers, Padres, wrong teams, on the uh, Rockies, you have uh, Mike Moustakas. We're watching to see how he's utilized. They have three righties this week. Does he get run? That becomes a question we want to answer there. The uh, other way around, Padre, and uh, on top of that, there's inclement weather. Like the game was already pushed back to like 9:40 tonight. So if if they they might even lose a game, so that kind of takes away the appeal of streaming this match this matchup altogether. Maybe it's more of a pitcher, but even if you stream pitchers, you're kind of in trouble because of the uh, because of the weather. But a pitcher I like in this matchup is Waka on Saturday. I think Waka at home against Colorado is a really nice little stream. He's um, most recent teamers. He is already rostered. However, in 12s, he could be a nice streamer. The issue here is I'm not touching any of these pitchers. You will not see me ever roster Austin Gomber because there's a reason in the fantasy community we call it getting Gombered. So Gomber is a <sighs> Gombered is a verb. You don't want to start a guy. Nothing like a 9 a.m. bucket hat. Let's go. Yeah, that's it's opening day vibes here, man. Thanks for the baseball money's fake. Good dude over there running that show. Check it out. But uh yeah. 9 a.m. bucket hat, pink glasses. We are. This is the Florida Florida man slash because uh, I'm from Florida. Florida man vibes slash opening day vibes. This is what we do. I, and honestly, I can take the same outfit and go cut the grass in this. Well, I usually actually cut the grass in these. Anyway, back to this. So uh, other than that, we can get out of the. Uh, oh, sorry. Those so these names. So if you're looking for if you're in a pinch, uh, two righties, two lefties. I do think we see a lot of Nelson Cruz this week. Not saying it's a good. Um, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a great production output, but two lefties plays in his favor. Cruz is a guy that's going to bat towards the middle of this lineup, probably fourth versus lefties, maybe closer to six versus righties. And then vice versa, Carpenter will bat against, uh, in the middle of the order against righties. But uh, but uh, I don't know how much he's going to play, if at all, against lefties. So that could just be a natural platoon. We'll see how they f- figure out the outfield situation because that's really what it comes down to, who gets those outfield reps come day one. So obviously we'll get more answers on that. Um, I'm still waiting to see you no know, lineups have dropped from where I'm looking. So hopefully by the end of the stream, some will. But if not, we will just talk about the one lineup that's available for us to discuss. And uh, let's, so let's talk about other options. Uh, I, I can go team by team, actually. I have most of the stuff memorized. So they're playing Bo- So Baltimore's playing Boston. Boston having three, two righties and a lefty. There's not really anybody there for Baltimore I'm interested in. Maybe see how Kyle Stowers is utilized this week. Two righties, he could put two against both. So in a daily league, Stowers could be interesting because he has some power upside. And Baltimore doesn't have the Kluber kind of I'm interested in. I would say I, I have no problem streaming against Kluber this week. It's this Chris Sale looked wicked his last outing. And Tanner Houck has that type of upside to be solid. So I'm not overly – I mean, I'm not confident in Houck necessarily. So I think two out of three games you could stream uh, Boston, uh, Boston uh, Baltimore hitters. However – on the flip side of this matchup, you have Boston facing Baltimore, and you got to love what you see here. If you, uh, Tristan Cassis, if he's somehow available in 12s, 10s, he becomes an interesting target, at least for the two games, because he probably will sit this one. Although, they are, they, they sit down Bobby Dahlbeck, so I wonder if Cassis is kind of set for a more regular role. I expect the Dahlbeck and Cassis to kind of platoon, but maybe they're going to see what they have in the young kid in Cassis and let him play a regular on a regular basis. So Cassis is a guy that becomes a lot more intriguing with Dahlbeck out of the picture. You know, they have Connor Wong and stuff who can factor in. Dahlbeck was kind of my main concern because Dahlbeck crushes lefties. Cassis had a really strong spring, hits righties well, and lefty-righty kind of the bats being lefty and righty. Respectively, I thought those two could platoon. Again, that was uh, Tristan Cassis and Dahlbeck, but again, not in the cards to start the year because Dahlbeck is in the minors. Uh, the Yankees get the Giants, already get interleague play day one. Love to see it. bunch of righties on the, on the roster here. 
And a guy that I think is going to play every day, at least just to start, is going to be Oswaldo Peraza. I think he deserves – he's a 15-teamer guy, another fringe 12. But I think he's actually somebody, if you're in a five-outfield league in a 12-teamer, Peraza's a guy I would go ahead and roster. I think Peraza's going to play every day and eventually earn his way over Hicks, especially with major returns. I know they love Hicks for whatever reason, but everyone sees the writing on the wall. Hicks is not good anymore. I know Hicks is the lefty. I think it's Cabrera. I'm going to look it up. I shouldn't know this. Like I have, I actually have Cabrera roster in quite a number of teams, so I should probably know if he's a lefty or righty. I feel like he's a righty. That's why I'm saying this. But we'll find out here in a second. And Cabrera also, he's a righty. Oh, no, he's a switch hitter. I know. See, I saw him hit righty in the spring. He's a switch hitter, so even better. No reason why he would be stuck in a platoon. And we saw Cabrera play right field, left field, shortstop, first base, second base, and third base last year. at six positions. If a player can play six positions, they're going to play just about every day. Him, LeMayhew, they're going to factor in all over the field. Play plenty. I don't have any concerns about Cabrera's playing time, although some might. I think there's a very fantasy viable skill set. Now, he, now Cabrera will be batting towards the bottom third of the lineup, most likely, most days. Injuries, days off, will bump him up. But him and Anthony Volpe will be batting in the bottom third of this lineup. And the Yankees suddenly have a very strong, deep lineup. As long as the Yankees are healthy, this is one of the most dangerous and potent lineups in baseball, especially if Cabrera can uh, – pick up where he left off in spring and what we saw parts of last year and Volpe picks up where he left off in spring as well, batting ninth. Although, so keep that in mind, Volpe will bat ninth. He should be rostered in every type of format. So if you are in a shallow league and Volpe is available, make a point to get him on your bench because there are very few players with more upside for fantasy this season. And Volpe, the price flew up late in drafts. But again, that leaves him probably available in a wide range of leagues. Even in, see, this is what the problem is. If you don't have a middle infield spot to play in that shallow format, he's probably a probably still a bench player, at least worth a, worthy of a bench bat, because in that type of format where you think you don't have space for him, he's worth the upside alone. He's worth having on your bench to see if he pops, because if Volpe pops, he will move up that lineup. The dude has amazing – he's just an amazing prospect. He has great work ethic. He showed up in December earlier than everyone else to get some extra turn, to get some extra run in, and it worked because Volpe put in that work. He ended up breaking camp with the team because he earned it. Peraza having the uh, – being on the – being sent down, he has no more options. So if we see Praza come up, he's going to be up to stay or we see him get traded. So just keep a, head, so a heads up there. I think Praza's leash, I think both of his leash could be rather long. It should be. I don't think they just kept him up for a reason, obviously. But just something to keep in mind there in, in New York. I think DJ LeMay, who has no set lineup spot, by the way. but I mean, he has no set position. But between Rizzo, Donaldson, Glaber getting days off, DHing, DJ LeMay is going to play probably five out of six games every week. He's going to lead off when he's in the lineup. He is a he's he's rather undervalued, but in a shallower format, I don't see the point in rostering him just because he's kind of so meh. But anything 12 teams and deeper that has like a middle infield spot, especially 15s, he has a lot of value between that flexibility LeMahieu has uh, playing multiple positions and having that solid skill like four set, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, batting average. We know is there. He's healthy. LeMahieu is a guy that becomes very intriguing the deeper the format you are in. Um, don't forget, if you are watching via YouTube, you can drop your questions in there. I will answer them. Otherwise, we are going to keep rolling forward. I appreciate those who are watching in general. Let's jump over to the uh, Rays. Rays play Detroit. Beautiful matchup here. So you have, obviously, Erod's the only. And Turnbull is interesting. I'm not saying he's not nothing. But you have two lefties and a righty. This is kind of the matchup you want to be streaming from. So a guy like Isak Paredes, who's going to be playing every day, he becomes very interesting as a streamer this week he bats he's uh, i saw a rumored or a projected lineup where he's gonna be batting fourth that makes a lot of sense but batting fourth against lefties not all the time against righties he'll move down it looks like him and lau or low brandon low brandon low is it brandon low it's brandon low and nate lau right or vice versa i always forget those two but brandon low should be moving up against righties 
which we saw all spring. And Isak Paredes had like eight, eight, over 800, 800 OPS last year against uh, lefties, a sub, uh, 700 OPS against righties, so it wasn't very good against righties last year. Former top prospect, a, a lot of upside here for power too. And if Isak Paredes could just get going, he he's going to play every day. It's just a matter of him holding on to the position against righties. So Paredes is going to at least two, at least three lineups. He should move up lineup. He's a great streaming option in shallower formats, a must start in deeper formats. I think there's a lot to like here for, for Paredes. Uh, other than that, you have your typical, what, two lefties. Harold Ramirez becomes interesting in deeper formats. Otherwise, not really interested because I don't think there's enough juice there for shallower leagues. I don't think we see a lot of Josh Lowe this week. If anything, it's Jose Siri, he's, uh, Jose Siri this week. You've got the two lefties. But uh, this is a team that it's just the playing time is going to be fluctuate. There's four outfielders deserving of uh, there's four outfielders deserving of playing time with only three spots. With Randy Rosarena kind of guaranteed that, so do not assume, like just assume uh, Randy Rosarena is going to be. Uh, so it is. So it is Brandon Lau. Okay, thank you for correcting me. It's Brandon Lau, Nate Lowe. See, what? I give up. I, I, it's not that I give up. I just get frustrated because like you just say these names so often, it's all over the place. Brandon Lowe. I thought it was Nate. That's Nate Lowe. Brandon Lowe. Yeah, I should know that. Nathaniel Lowe. At that, he, that's how his name is pronounced. I believe he prefers Nathaniel. At least that's the way it's written on everything I've seen. All right, in Toronto. I mean, you're starting your Toronto guys. Uh, the only thing is here, St. Louis. They face. They have one lefty on Sunday, so Brandon Belt could sit right here. That would be about it. You see San Diego, San Diego Espinal probably get in there versus a lefty. Obviously, Whit Merrifield probably stays in there versus a lefty. Biggio won't slot in. Biggio could help here a little bit if someone needs a day off. I doubt anyone needs a day off, though. But ultimately, uh, Brandon Belt and Varsho. I think Kiermaier is more likely to sit versus lefties than Varsho. They've shown in spring a little bit of Varsho slotting over to center, Espinal or uh, Whit Merrifield in the outfield. So I think Marshall's safe. And on top of that being a catcher, you're not sitting Marshall anyway as a catcher. But yeah, so Brandon Belt would be the only name to really watch there. We talked about the White Sox. They, you know what they're doing. Colas, uh, Elvis Andrews, those are just some deeper league guys. Colas getting he's a fringe 12. I'd say he's worth having in a 12 team or three outfield league. That's where it gets tough. But anything deeper than three outfielder leagues in a 12, he's a guy in the hat. Uh Cleveland against Seattle. Again, another lineup, you just know what you're getting. The only guy I'm really watching for, it's two righties, two lefties. I, I know I know Straw will play against lefties. I'm curious to see how Will Benson will factor in. Will Benson becomes a watch list guy, by the way, for all formats. I don't even think he's rostered in, in all 50. Will Benson's a guy, keep your name on him. Keep your name, keep your mind on him in terms of a, a name to watch. But there's not really much juice there. Again, there's no, you're, you're starting everybody in this lineup. I'm trying to think. Maybe Mike Zunino. If you're desperate for a catcher, Mike Zunino is a guy. I know Brockness Monster last night on the Plaza podcast was talking him up. He really believes in him. I think. I think Zunino is a poor man's Cal Rally, which is not bad because Cal Rally is a top 12 catcher consensus-wise. I think Mike Zunino can have a similar skill set. That's the lazy comp, but it's a very fair comp because the power is there, the swing and miss is there, playing time is there. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at with that situation. Detroit against the Rays, very tough uh, first three starts. Eflin, Springs, McClanahan, great bullpen. I try. I would try not to start any of the guys here if I can, outside of the obvious, the Javi Baez. If you really, obviously Javi Baez, you're going to start and uh, and Riley Green. Other than that, Matt Veerling becomes a very, very if you're desperate stream, but Matt Veerling shouldn't be off. Should be on most watch lists, not necessarily a streamer. Um, but we have uh, we have. Sorry, I have to get to the comments. But other than that, Matt Veerling being a streamer because there's two lefties, Matt Veerling should play against both of them. That means you're sitting Kerry Carpenter this week. Uh, another guy again. We're talking deeper formats here. These guys are being rostered in. Uh, Nick Matone's another guy to watch just to see the utilization. He is a lefty, so he might not lead off against lefties, but we saw him lead off a lot in spring. Matone should get a chance to lead off against righties, which we will get a quick look at right here against Eflin. Um, Mets fan. Mets. Met, sorry, I'm trying to read it from the comments here. Uh, Lemayhu, second base, Judge, center field, Rizzo, first base, Torres, Cabrera. I think 
Well, so Trevino's going to be out for a little bit with a four over the arm thing. <clears throat> so I'm wondering how that's going to turn out. But other than that, yeah, this lineup right here that you posted for those watching, I think this will happen most times. But then you have, um, I do think, see, I don't know. No, Torres isn't going to play third base, though. That's the problem. Torres, has, he, he doesn't have the glove or the arm, I think, for third base. He, had, he also couldn't handle shortstop. That's why I'm saying LeMahieu, uh, oh, that lineup was just posted? Wait, what? That lineup, we, we oh, we do. Torres at DH. Oh, I saw. I read it. Donaldson at third. At, at, I saw. I saw the way I read it was Torres at third base. Yes, Torres at DH. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. But yes, Cabrera. So yeah, Hicks. I, I told you. So already, like, what I see here. Here, I'll show it. Uh, oops, wrong button. We are going to share the screen again. I apologize. We're going to share the screen and talk about it. But my point was is that uh, Oswaldo Cabrera. Look at that. Boom, Cabrera. Volpe. Bottom. Oh, Trevino. I thought Trevino was. I swear, I just read something that he was out until like late April. I don't know. Maybe I misread. Maybe it was a different person. I, I swear. Either way, I'm, I don't mind. But my point was the main thing here, Cabrera, left field, no Aaron Hicks day one. I was sick of the Aaron Hicks talk. Everybody was talking about it, but Aaron Hicks not sitting and not starting day one. Good. He shouldn't be. He should be the fourth outfielder. Honestly, I got to take a victory lap already here. So let's get the Yankees lineup, see if it's posted here on Twitter. But, yes, um, I am a – I got to take the victory lap, not not because I was necessarily right, but because uh, – just, just to make a point, like, because people were worried about Hicks – and I think that this is the right answer here. So no Aaron Hicks, as expected, Oswaldo season, baby. I think Oswaldo Cabrera is going to be a solid, solid player this year. I think he's going to be one of the most underappreciated, uh, underappreciated fantasy assets. He was going late, late enough in drafts to be to be potentially a difference maker. I apologize a little bit early. So yeah, we're going to get back to these lineups here, though. So pre- appreciate you dropping it, uh, which is yeah, I'm surprised. I, I see that you said that too. Uh, DVS, I appreciate it. You're right. I heard that too, but looks like he's back talking about Trino exactly. But anyway, enough with the fantasy, enough with the uh, victory lapping day one. I mean, it's only one day. I can't sit there and get excited, but it's also against a righty. So that's also a good sign suggesting that Hicks, because Hicks, if anything, was as the lefty would have been playing against more righties, but he's already sitting day one as he should. Um, so let's share this tab. Go back to here. So if more lineups drop, feel free to drop it, drop it, lock on Marlins. Peter. Appreciate it. Yeah, Oswaldo season. Dude, it's Oswaldo season. Let's go. Anyway, though, yeah, feel free to drop if another don't don't drop the whole thing, but feel free to comment which which lineups drop. We can talk about if that that follows the trend of the spring and stuff like that. Obviously, considering what I do for a neat for our content. Anyway, so we were on Cleveland mentioning how everyone there is kind of just there. You know what you're getting. I am curious to see with Cleveland if they do because last year they had a perfect platoon opportunity from the two spot. They liked Rosario out of the two spot. I understand that, but Andres Jimenez was beyond deserving of it, especially if you look at their splits. Jimenez crushed righties. You had Rosario crush lefties, and then vice versa on the splits. They both struggled against the opposing split. I don't know why that that flip never happened. I think Rosario's going to get plenty of leash in the two spot, but Jimenez has has the opportunity to move up, especially if he can continue where he left off last year. Uh, Detroit, we talked about them. Oh, yeah, so we're on oh, the, the Royals. So the Royals don't have anybody worth mentioning. Um, you know the usual suspects. suspects. Um, you have... I guess Hunter Dozier against uh, three righties, though. So the lefty, uh, uh, Kyle Espel becomes interesting. <clears throat> uh, Framo Reyes against four, three righties, not interesting. I don't know how much he's going to play in general. But ultimately, uh, yeah, just Kyle Espel would be the only name as a lefty on that lineup. Maybe trying – oh, Michael, Michael Massey. Uh, he's a he's he's already 15-team locked in as a middle infield type. 12-teamers, he's fringe. But watch his playing time. Watch if he moves up the lineup because Michael Massey – has a, a power and speed skill set. He can go 18 and 8, and no one should be surprised. We saw it in spring, too. It flashed. Michael Massey, a name to keep on your watch list at the very least. Uh, Minnesota against Kansas City. 
Uh, this is a great, this is where you want to stream because we saw their lineup here. We'll, we'll share this tab and their lineup's already up from yesterday. And boom, baby, Trevor Larnick, a name I dropped on Twitter the other day. He's batting cleanup. I did not see this coming. Gallo had been batting top four all spring. I'm glad to see Larnick getting a shot at cleanup. And Mac, my boy, one of my guys, my favorite players this spring, Max Kepler leading off. I was hoping he'd bat me in the middle lineup because I need, I need home runs and RBIs from that spot. But Kepler leading off equals more play appearances, equals more potential for fantasy juice. Shift is gone. He hits the ball hard. He has elite plate discipline. I love everything about Zach Green. And then he gets three righties this week. That helps him. Even Gallo becomes a streamer in 15s. But that definitely helps Kepler. Kepler is fringe 12-teamer. I don't think he's, I don't think he has enough fantasy juice to break a 12-team roster outside of a fifth outfield spot. And even then, you're pushing it. For me, he's fringe top five. He's a fringe fifth outfielder in the 12-teamer. And I love Max Kepler. I was, I was higher on him than most of this offseason. So we'll see how that works out with Larnick. Larnick's a guy you need to have on your watch list. And every 12 and 15s, he should be an ad. Uh, Larnick's a guy I really want plenty of he should get plenty of run to start the year and if he can keep it up there's no reason why they can't put obviously buxton back in center field and leave larnick alone here and left unless they decide to put gordon out there in left field when uh plonko returns so there's a lot of moving parts here at this lineup i think between days off and regular rest for players nick gordon's gonna play every day nick gordon's a guy that already rostered 15s another watch list guy for you 12 seniors out there not a good, but yes i if i'm looking for fantasy like so long for season long i think i prefer nick gordon over larnick I think Larnick has more upside for power, and Gordon has an overall upside of batting average speed and power. So if you want somebody with just straight-up juice, the guy that can hit 30, if he gets, gets full playing time and makes it work, Trevor Larnick is your guy. If you want a guy who can go like 15-15 and with a little more, maybe a little more potential for power, but most like 15-15 is actually a realistic outcome while hitting like 260, Nick Gordon is going to be your guy for that. So just keep that's, keep those guys in mind. Those are names I really like this year. And uh, But Larnick's a guy that I fell, I fell on too late just because of all the injuries kind of figure out who's going to play, and Larnick looks like he's going to get his shot. Uh, over to Houston, we talked about that being a mess. Uh, there's not really much there. Uh, and we talked about the four-team schedule, four schedule. So this becomes interesting. If you're in a weekly format, Otani becomes a guy that – do you start him as a um, – let me share this tab, sorry. Do you, uh, do you start him as a starter against Oakland, or do you hit him as a hitter? I think I'm – it depends. It's league-specific. It's league specific. He is such an elite pitcher and hitter. He's getting great, great matchups, but he is facing two lefties. Not that he's a splits type of guy that you need to worry about, but Otani, as a pitcher this week, might get the edge even against a weak Oakland pitching staff just because you're going to see Otani likely go six innings, strike out nine, and shut him out for those six innings, maybe give up one run on a fluke home run to Seth Brown or something. But, yeah, I, I think as a starter – Otani might get the edge this week in weekly formats. In daily formats, you know what he is. He's elite. Plug him in everywhere he's playing. Like today, you're putting him in as a pitcher, then putting him right back there in the next game. But, yes, yeah, so uh, and in terms of this, oh, two lefties. So two lefties means Rangifo. I would say Luis Rangifo becomes very intriguing. Uh, like over like, eight, like 850 or 8-something OPS against lefties last year. It's like a 620 OPS against righties last year. These numbers, you could talk to do my homework because all these numbers are top of mind. Uh, but Rangifo becomes very uh, – Interesting in terms of a streaming option, not a guy I'm adding, not a waiver wire claim, not even a watch, maybe a watch list guy. But even then, all these other names I mentioned, like Larnick and stuff, I prefer over. I think that he's just a bench player. And I think Jake Lamb is going to play first base or at least factor into first base against righties in with Jared Walsh out. Meanwhile, Rangifo is not going to get much run against righties, at least uh, at least initially. I'm not saying he can't. It might take an injury. But anyway, uh, we have Oakland against. So we have righty, lefty, lefty. If you can't, if you can just not start any hitters today, it'd be great. But uh, in general, two lefties, 
not great for Seth Brown, not great for Ryan Noda, but maybe Connor Capel gets in there. Connor Capel's also lefty. Capel's a guy that you should have in watch lists across the board. 15s, 12s, eh, 15s though. 15 teamers. Connor Capel's a guy you have on your watch list. Power, speed, great, a good hit tool. Solid play discipline. Um, I think he's a guy you want to have more than like more than not on your watch list. He's fringe on a bench. In a, but again, we're talking deepest of 15 teamers. I drafted a main event that's a 15 team. Five outfield type of league, so there's a 450 players rostered. He's not one of them. Give you an idea of how deep we're going here. Uh, and he's he's is he worthy of a bench spot? Maybe, but it's going to depend on how playing time falls out. But against lefties, we can see some uh, Nick Allen. Two lefties here. We see Nick Allen. Lemus Diaz will be interesting for daily leagues, uh, DFS probably because he should be bat- he might bat towards the top of the lineup. Ramon Laureano hits better against lefties too, if memory serves. So there's some juice here in this open lineup. I think it's being – and then we might even see – I wonder if uh, we'll get Estuary Ruiz leading off against lefties because last year Tony Kemp only led off against righties for the majority of the year. So I'm wondering if there's some of that. <clears throat> yes, Rangifo. I'm a big Rangifo. See, I'm not a Rangifo. I'm not a Rangifo guy. I think he's just good against lefties. I think he's a lefty stream. But uh, DFS, DVS said, love Rangifo too. Took right took Pepio deep a few nights back. Oh, dude, I love Pepe, Pepeo. He uh, – he, Pepio, uh, Pepio is going to be a guy that just the strikeouts alone, he looks like he attacks the zone more this year. And all it was with Pepio was getting the ball and was not walking. He made that improvement in spring. Let's see if it carries over. Pepio has like legitimate, like he's a guy you're streaming in 12s even. Uh, he's Pepio is a guy that I, I have a ton of, especially late in draft season. I made sure to get a whole lot of him. He's more 15 team relevant, but he's going to be a two star. He's going to get a couple two start start weeks. He's going to get some decent matchups. I think he's a two star pitcher next week. He is. And next week he gets. Uh, Colorado at home and Arizona on the road. I'm not mad at those matchups. I think he's a, he's probably one of the best two-star pitchers. And that's why if, if you don't have them, you should be stashing anyway. All right, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Two-star pitchers could be a whole other discussion. Um, let's get to the – so Texas against Philly. Nola, Wheeler, Falter. These two matchups against Rays are tough. And then the lefty. I wonder – I'm more so watching Garver. I know Garver should gain catcher eligibility. At least he has it. He makes for a good second catcher, especially in two catcher leagues. He's not quite one catcher league relevant just yet. So I wouldn't be adding him in one catcher leagues, in my opinion. But uh, he's a watchless guy. He, he could easily be uh, relevant as a catcher, especially once he gains eligibility. Same thing with Langleers, by the way. If you're in a league where Langleers doesn't have eligibility at catcher, he will gain it. He becomes – I like Langleers more than Garver if you're ranking him. So uh, those two guys are on your watch list because if they gain eligibility, they are worthy of, of your attention. I'm making sure I didn't miss anybody on my notes as we go through these. Oh, I did miss somebody. So uh, Houston, going back to Houston, Yanier, 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 Yanier. I'm going to say Yanner. Yan, Yanner, Yanner. I, mean, I, have this, I have no idea how to I apologize. Diaz, he made the team. He should be the second catcher, so he should gain catcher eligibility because, you know, catchers play like three out of five. Uh, he would be the next man up if they need somebody – behind the plate as well. Diaz, big-time power uh, upside. He showed it in the spring lot in, in my leagues last year. He had 25 home runs, good ISO numbers across multiple levels, and decent plate, like solid, like overall solid plate. Discipline. I think that Diaz becomes a very, very intriguing guy in, in two catcher leagues in deeper formats, not shallowly uh, relevant. Diaz might even be worthy, worthy of a waiver wire claim in – for like a couple bucks and like fab and stuff like that later on. That's a guy we'll get to. It's all going to depend. It's going to depend on his usage, honestly. <clears throat> Uh, making sure I didn't miss anybody else on my list here. No, we are good until we get to the NL, uh, which we are creeping on to. So we have back to Texas, uh, a guy like Bubba Thompson. Bubba Thompson, Bubba Thompson, uh, stolen base, stolen bases. That's it. He's going he's gonna to play, but when Leody when Leody Tavares returns, he will not. 
And we have a question. Do you like Langleyers or Gabriel Moreno more in a mixed league? I think Moreno is the guy there. I think although Moreno has a little bit of pop, at least raw power, we've seen it in spring too show up. The game power has been lackluster. Moreno profiles to be very similar to Kybert Ruiz. So Kybert Ruiz being a top 15-ish catcher, Moreno, I would push him closer to the 12th spot. But just know that if he's closer or if he is a Kybert Ruiz light or very similar for the same player, don't be surprised. I think the upside might be overblown, but – there is, it's not like there's not potential there for it. That's the thing. It's just a matter of uh, how he profiles entering 2023. That's Gabriel Moreno as I, uh, and then as a backup. Oh, as a backup. I mean, if you're looking, I don't, so I don't, if in daily formats, I don't use a bench spot for catchers personally. I think there's more juice on the waiver wire elsewhere for other positions. I'm more likely to just let kind of like fall by, like in Yahoo, you have like at max games. I try to make sure all my other max games are filled before because catcher, there's the least amount of fantasy juice 99% of the time. Unless you're lucky to happen onto like a guy, and we'll get to them later, but like Blake Sable, who actually might be a difference maker at the position, but there's a, there's still a path to uncertainty there. Uh, any more lineups released that we can break too quick? Let's refresh that page because otherwise we're just going to keep going down this uh, team by team thing. And if you guys like this, by the way, let me know because uh, we can do this once a week probably. Go through this type of matchup, talk streamers, talk waiver wire, just like this. I think this is very, very helpful. Uh, for those, again, listening to the replay, YouTube has all the video of it all happening. So youtube.com slash at GTE fantasy. Uh, quick plug there as we move on. Uh, so yes, we talked about this tough matchup against uh, with Texas, but we know we know what they're we know they're starting lineup again. It's just Bubba Thompson becomes intriguing in terms of like a late a deep league steel source, but it's gonna be short lived. Washington, uh, sorry, Braves facing Washington. You have uh, two lefties and a righty. So the name that pops here is Marcelo Zuna being the lefty masher he is. He could slot right into the middle of the order against lefties. I know Sean Murphy's been there all spring. Ross Resource has Ozuna, and we've seen a lot of where Ozuna did back cleanup. Ozuna has the, the parametrics were there last year, got a little unlucky if you look at the expected stats. Expected stats aren't the be-all, end-all, because you know play, teams learn how to play these players, especially guys that are slower like Ozuna. They'll play a little farther back in the infield, make him harder. He doesn't beat out infield hits, and they play defense differently against these guys. So there was a little bad luck there, though, last year for Ozuna. I think there could be some solid bounce back potential. Think of him in the same line. Like He's he's a better version of Larnick in terms of like – and the reason why I say Larnick is because the playing time should be there, but Larnick doesn't have the, the – they have the same power potential. Larnick just has a bad, better path of playing time early on. Ozuna might need to earn more because Ozuna is it's kind of a tight squeeze there. They're going to have to fit Darno into DH spots. They have uh, – Rosario for left field or right field, wherever those two flip flop. And then you have Ozuna factoring into DH to the field. I don't know Ozuna's role, whereas Larnick, we know his roles, but they have very, very similar skill sets. That's why it's like comp is there. Ozuna just having the track record being the big difference. And he came in with the idea of trying to be, uh, trying to strengthen his arms so he could play the field better. All right. Uh, we can move on from Atlanta. That's kind of the only streamer. Orlando Arcia, if you're really desperate, I'm talking about deepest of formats just because you know he's playing. Uh, Miami, we talked about Miami Mets. We can move on to the Phillies playing against Texas. DeGrom, <laughs> Evaldi, not a great start. Those are two tough, tough matchups there for the Phillies. But two righties equals Derek Hall. Derek Hall should be rostered in 15s, 12s. He's a fringe guy. He's a corner infield type. 30 home run upside, but anything over 20 would be nice. Decent plate approach. Does have some swing and miss, but in the spring it was really strong. So I don't know there. But, yeah, so I, don't, I wouldn't want to start him this week. He's a sit considering the two tough righties and then the price sit against lefties where you have Alec Bohm who could surprisingly uh, uh, play for space against lefties and probably move up the lineup because he's only hit lefties really well. So Alec Bohm becomes a guy who can gain first base, first base eligibility. We saw him play first base at the end of spring as well. There's lots to like there for Alec Bohm. 
Uh, and and Mundo Sosa could obviously play against lefties and might even factor in against righties depending on how everyone else performs. But yes, Mundo Sosa is a very deep league watch list guy, not being rostered or added anywhere. We can move on to the Nationals. Nationals against Atlanta. My one guy, like, this is a mess. You're sitting Dom Smith against two lefties. You're sitting Corey Dickerson against two lefties. What you are starting, or if you're taking a chance, because it's Max Fried, Spencer Strider, and Jared Schuster. If Schuster is even half as good as we saw in the spring, the, Na- the Nationals might score combined three runs um, uh, this this series. And like even guys like I love, I love Luis Garcia, but he's a sit this week against two lefties. And he, him being a lefty, he might not even play against both of them. Although they might not have other options, it's just it's just an ugly mess. Like you don't want to start your lefties this week against them. So a guy like Alex Call comes to mind. Alex Call, two of three against uh, two 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 lefties here last year. Seventy two play appearances, very small, but hit two sixty two with an eight sixty seven OPS, two thirty ISO, a three seventy nine WOBA, and a one forty five WRC plus. Very strong numbers, very small sample. Alex Call could easily platoon with Corey Dickerson with Tom Smith. There's a path playing time. They kept him on as a fourth outfielder. Uh, fourth outfielder for a reason. Alex Call is a name to watch for DFS, but not a guy for season long because of his path to playing time, as of right now, appears to be on a short side platoon slash fourth outfielder role. Let's go to the Cubs. The Cubs, we have Evan Rios on watch list. They are facing righty, righty, lefty. Burns, Woodruff being the righties. Rios will play, I'm sure, against the righties. However, how good will he do? He, he could probably go over, he could go with like one for eight with like six Ks, wouldn't surprise me. But Rios is a name to watch because if he's playing every day, he'll gain eligibility. Right now, Utah only in NFBC formats might have third base or first base where you play. But Rios is a guy that's 15 team only right now, and he's a strong side platoon bat. For the, as at least that's the expectation, should be batting strong side. But these matchups as a whole don't help him. It don't help anybody on this Cubs team this week. So it's kind of a team that like if you're torn between player X, player X, player Y, player Y being if you're like like a Bellinger versus two righties, it's nice, but it's two very tough righties. Uh, Mancini, very tough righties. I would like I have no problem seeing those guys this week because they're already kind of like your back end options anyway for most formats, most leagues, most teams. So if you can find a better matchup for the first short week, I would probably look to do so just given these matchups. Very tough. Cincinnati facing Pittsburgh. You have uh Keller, Hill, Velasquez. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good matchup there. Hill throwing like 85 on a good day. Vasquez, low 90s, but uh, we it's also opens Vasquez. And then Mitch Keller, he's very intriguing, but we've also seen Mitch Keller be intriguing in the past and get lit up in the A lot of it goes down to the matchup, too. They're in Cincinnati. So your TJ Friedels, your Fraley's, those guys become 12-team mixed relevant in terms of streaming options. Uh, Fraley is how I'd rank it. Fraley, Friedel, and then Benson. Benson's more of a watch in a watchless guy in 12s, 15s. I mean, all these guys are rostered 15s, and Benson should be rostered in 15. If not, get him on your bench today because Benson has power. He has a speed coming off a big spring, plays good defense. He should play as much as he can handle until Bobber returns. And by then, he could either he could even he could even push Friedel for a starting spot. So I don't want to sit there and say Benson, but Benson could be a season-long opportunity here. Going 2020 is not out of the question. It's, it's gonna come down to playing time. And that so that ballpark will play to his will play to all their strengths. That, that ballpark is where you want to. That this lineup as a whole, Cincinnati's lineup as a whole, has a lot of intriguing options. But those three guys all have a role entering the year and should have. And then the matchups against Pittsburgh. Even if Mitch Keller shoves today, you have two. You should have two more pretty strong matchups. Just be wary that the lefty in Hill might cause um, maybe Friedel and or Benson to sit if they want to play matchups. Get a get a righty bat in there, but. That's that's fine. Like, who cares at that point, right? Like, <laughs> at that point, I mean, you're you're but you're you're attacking you're attacking the matchup. You're attacking the ballpark. Milwaukee against Chicago, interesting. I'm not sure. We don't know what to expect from Tyone. Tyone's been very solid in the past. Justin Steele was break was in the middle of what looked like to be a breakout last year in the second half, injured. Um, the Cubs 
it's it's just it is what it is. It's uh, sorry, the Brewers. The Brewers have a sneaky. I I think I like their lineup a lot. I really like their lineup a lot. Uh, but we'll see how they utilize uh, what's his face. They just signed him, uh, Luke Voigt. They just signed Luke Voigt. So you have Voigt, who should play against Levies at least, and then uh, Bryce Terang. I've obviously been very vocal about my love for Terang. He gets two righties this week in Stroman and Tyone. He's a 15-team guy that you're adding, but uh, watch list otherwise. Don't go out of your way to add him. I do think there's some – there's definitely fantasy juice there. Unfortunately, he's likely to bat ninth in this lineup, eighth, ninth, seventh at best to start the year. But Bryce Train becomes a guy that you want to have on your watch list in shallow leagues in case he pops. There's batting average, stolen bases. I think it's a matter of will the power play up a little bit in uh, – in, well, I call it Miller Park. I don't know what it's called anymore, but in, in Milwaukee uh, – the comp here, because I'm not big on comps, but if I'm going to give a guy, like I try to give fair comps. I think Bryce Train comps very well to Gene Segura. So think about where Gene Segura is going in drafts or where he went in drafts. Think about what you're expecting from him in Miami. And Terang can give you a similar fantasy type of reduction. If you're getting 12 12 out of Terang uh, with a decent batting average, it's very likely. Um, power for more, potential for more power given the ball. Sorry, not so much power, but potential for more speed. I think he was like 32 for 34 last year on the base pass, Bryce Terang was. So terrain becomes a very interesting option in deep formats because he gives you speed. He should give you some decent batting average. And there's some pop there given the ballpark. And we saw a little bit on display in spring. He's not a zero. And it's kind of important. But I think Gene Segura, I think Gene Segura is a very safe and fair comp. And Terrain's going to gain second base eligibility entering the year with shortstop. He's going to play second base. This team against righties at the very least. We are on. Oh, and then, of course, guys, like if Garrett Mitchell somehow is available in your 10-teamer, 12-teamer, add him. I like him a lot this year. Jesse Winker is more of a... Uh, watch list guy for your shallow formats, not a guy got on way to add, and the rest and the rest are kind of oh, Brian Anderson becomes an interesting streamer type in deeper leagues at like 15s just because he has playing time right now in right field. Freelick, Freelick, and um, Weimer should be your two watch list guys there across the board. Those guys should be on all your watch lists, considering where you can uh, where they were both really close to making the cut for right field already. I know Tyrone Taylor is going to return, but they put Taylor in a fourth outfield role last year as well, so there's no reason why they, he can't return to that role. And one of those young guys come up and play right field sooner than later. And Garrett Mitchell has a little bit of leash there. Um, you know, Christian Elish is known to not stay healthy, Winker as well. So one of those two could open up playing time for these outfielders as well, or sooner than later if one of them gets injured or performance is poor for a guy like Winker. We'll see. But those are two guys you want to have on your watch list, being Sal Freelick and, uh, and uh, Joey Weimer. Pittsburgh. <laughs> um we're, we're targeting again. We're targeting the matchups. I think uh, obviously McCutcheon is a guy that's really strong stream this week. Three three matchups. Obviously, it's lefties better, but he could still he's still going to play every day. Is kind of the point here. Targeting plate appearances and outside of O'Neill Cruz and Brian Reynolds, the rest of this t- team is kind of just like plug and play. Um, a guy that fits some watchless guys. Uh, Santana, um, Carlos Santana. I was thinking Carson. Like Carlos Santana becomes an interesting streamer this week. Again, given the matchups, given the potential for playing time, I see the way they've been treating him all spring has been as the, the cleanup hitter in every, every regular lineup. So I think I think we have a decent streaming option there in deeper formats. Not even a watchless guy in anything shallower than a fifth. Uh, guy like Kanan Smith and Jigba, he becomes intriguing because he, he actually had a strong finish this spring. Should enter the, the, the season with a role in right field. And we've seen him have some fantasy relevance. And again, this is a 15 team guy you're looking to add this week if you're desperate or at least on your watch list, just because if he comes up hot, we know the role could be his. And like, sometimes it's just as simple as let's get some playing time. Let's get this the path playing time is what you want here. And then uh, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, Swinsky's a watch list guy in shallower formats, but in deep leagues, he's already rostered. Big power upside, big strikeout potential, and not in a good way because he's a hitter. <laughs> um, trying to think if there's anybody else. Uh, Jiwan Bay, I think, is. 
I gotta look it. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Not how the save part, but just if I even said the right name. I know the last name is Bay. Bay becomes an interesting. Yeah, I think it's G1 Bay. He becomes interesting just because as a lefty, he could platoon with Castro at second base. We saw Bay, both him and Castro both were, were bad last year, bad in spring. So we'll see how those two battle it out. Neither one have a lot of relevance outside of daily formats. Nat's lineup is up. Thank you, DVS. I appreciate you watching the whole stream, by the way, and commenting. So it's what we expected, except for Dom Smith is batting fourth, but that's probably because there's a lefty on the mound, and they're going to go. They're going to go righty righty to start against lefty here. But it's that's exactly how you expect. Oh, there goes. There's my boy Alex Call. What a call. What a call. Sorry, too easy and stupid. But uh, yeah, him over. So him and Corey Dickerson could be in a natural platoon right now. Uh, here's my boy Luis uh, Luis Luis Garcia. Garcia is a guy who's gonna probably play every day, even though again two lefties. But I think against righties we see him slot six. Either way, six seven. Everyone's gonna bat the bottom with Robust. This bottom lineup's really bad. So if Garcia can get on base even half as much as I expect him to be able to, I think Garcia could be a sneaky ten stolen base guy. 15 to 20 home run. He has the power. It's last year like 91st percentile max exit velocity, and we saw him hit an absolute nuke off of Scherzer in spring. Garcia. In deeper leagues, his roster, in shallower leagues, he's the guy you're, you're going to want to have on your watch list. Add him if he starts off hot or stash him if he doesn't. We're, yeah, I wish have you – and oh, I appreciate you. Oh, you're working from home. Yeah, we're, I see what you're saying, working DVS. Yes, because you have me and MLB Network on. I like to think I, I'm giving more insightful information to MLB Network these days, man. Some of the stuff you should say – maybe not MLB Network necessarily, but uh, ESPN and stuff, man. This stuff is so bad for the sport. They need to get some of us degenerates on that really care about baseball. And obviously not me. I'm not a TV personality, but I mean, I can be. Look at me. I'm willing to do this on a public forum. Why not get me on uh, somewhere that could make fun of it and utilize it? Anyway, uh, last division before we call it a wrap. And I think I have some names just to make sure. Names here. Connor Capel, we mentioned. Astro's second base job we're watching. Uh, well, yes, I am not as good on the eyes as a Lauren type. But you know what? I like, you know what? This is beautiful. I don't care what you say. This face is beautiful. Anyway, sorry, getting into it with the with the commenters. I appreciate the comments on YouTube. Trust me, I do. Uh, we have to get into the final. So we talk, actually, we don't. All we have are the, so we have three. So we have the Giants. We already talked about the other four teams in here, the Arizona Diamondbacks, Rockies, Dodgers, and Padres. So let's talk the Yankees. So they get Cole, Schmidt, Herman. Not the easiest three, but you know what you're getting? A lot of lefties, which plays into the favor of a Blake Sable. He is a lefty bat. He can play catcher. He'll probably play some catcher to start the year behind um, Joey Bart. But then also he can DH. He can play the outfield. I think Sable could probably play two out of three, maybe even three out of three. As a second catcher, he should already be rostered in 15-teamers. If not, as a second catcher, get him. He's a watchless guy for sure across the board just because catcher, every year there's always a guy or two that pop. And he could be that guy that gains up, that has catch eligibility or gains it if he doesn't have it in your league for some reason. And uh, he could easily be relevant in – any format, single catcher formats even, Blake Sable, a name to know if you don't, and a guy that's worthy of streaming this very week. That's all 30 teams. Uh, I don't, and I have no more questions. Let's see if any more lineups posted before we get out of here. Otherwise, I'm going to call it a quits on this stream and get to prepping for the day and go making sure my lineups get set properly. I appreciate those who hung out with me. Those are listening, don't forget to check it out on YouTube again if you want to see the visuals behind it all. But we're going to try to do this at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. So those who watch, I appreciate it. Those who are listening, thank you again. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And until next time, it's opening day. Let's have some fun, and we'll talk soon. Peace.